We're going verse by verse in Romans. And in, in chapter number seven, we went through and we saw the I man. In Romans chapter number eight, what is drawn out is the spirit, the Holy Spirit. So in Romans 7, 33 times the word I came up. We went through all of that in chapter 7. Now in Romans chapter 8, we have 21 times the word spirit shows up. In Christ shows up nine times in the book of Romans chapter number 8. So I'm saying that at the onset because we have a clear contrast from Romans 7 now as we move into Romans chapter number 8. It was I, 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 I'm the problem. <laughs> and now the solution, Romans chapter 8, spirit, 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 spirit. And so we need to get that as a way of inter introductory context. But the spirit moves in when we get born again, when we're born of God. And it checkmates the I and praise God for it because we do not want to be led around by our sinful flesh. Romans 7, we saw we have two natures, the fleshly nature, the spiritual nature. Romans chapter 8 brings out just how incompatible those two natures are. Make sense? That's the, that's the leading up to, the Romans 7 leads up to, now we're going to see just how incompatible they are. And they're not going to get along. They're never going to get along. They're never going to make nices. There's not going to be any reconciliation between the flesh and the spirit. So let's get that as an understanding. We're not trying to make them get along. They're not going to get along. You want to ask yourself this morning. I'm going to ask myself this morning the same question. What are you going to submit to? Rather, who are you going to submit to? You, I, 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 or the Spirit of God? What are you going to be controlled by? Well, nobody's going to control me. The people that say that are being controlled by something. Aren't we all controlled by something? The Lord's not telling me what to do. Well, your boss just told you what to do, and you had no problem saying yes, sir. <laughs> We're going to be controlled by something. I want for me and for you and for us to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, let me say this before we get into the text. It has absolutely nothing at all to do with losing your salvation through failure. Amen. If, if that were the case, if that were the case, the day you got saved would be the same day you got lost again. <laughs> Come on. That is not, this is not what Romans 8 is about. Romans 8 is about there's two types of conduct. There's carnal conduct, fleshly conduct, and then there's spiritual conduct. Amen. Romans 8, chapter 4, Bible says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Hmm. Watch. Who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. We finished up with that verse. That's our starting point. Our cross-reference is Galatians 4. I actually already grabbed that spot, so let's start reading Galatians 4, verse number 4. Watch what it says. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, 
made of a woman, made under the law. Who did God give the law to? That'd be the nation of Israel. He gave the law to them. When Jesus Christ shows up, oh, finally, there's someone in a body of flesh that can fulfill and keep all of the strict demands of the law. Finally. You know why? Because no Jew could do it. None of us could do it. Finally, somebody showed up on the scene who knew no sin. Jesus Christ. And in verse number five, watch what it says. Why did he come? To redeem them that were under the law. It's a buyback. It's a redemption. And we were redeemed from the bondage of sin and the penalties associated with breaking God's law. Galatians 3 said, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? He became a curse for you and for me. Brother and sister Christian, God help us to never take the names the Lord's name in vain. God help us to never use his name irreverently. May we only use his name to sing praise, to give glory, and to lift him up. I hope none of us have on our text messages a saved text message with OMG. That's the world. His name's holy. He became a curse for you. We dare not. We dare not curse his name by using it irreverently. I'm sure it makes you cringe as much as it does I when you hear the world use the, our Lord's name as a curse word. But you know what? He became a curse for that cursing mouth. And as such were some of you. God's holy. But he brought us back. And in Romans chapter 4, verse number 5, at the end of the verse, it says that we might receive the adoption of sons. You know, that's one of the most beautiful things on earth down here is when a child who doesn't have a mom, who doesn't have a dad, is adopted. That is one of the greatest signs of love. It's not your child, but you're going to take him in as your child. And not as if it were your child. No, I'm saying that you're, you are going to be my child and I am going to love you. Praise the Lord. What do you think? God looked down and saw that we were just so wonderful. Man, that'd be a great child to have. He won't do anything wrong and he'll just obey all my commands and he'll do everything that I ask him to do. Parents, if you think that is what parenthood is going to be like, allow me to uh, further enlighten myself and you. That's not going to be the way it goes. You are going to have to love them in spite of all of their disobedience and in spite of all of the silly things they do and in spite of all of... Did you, did you just say that? 
Have I not raised you? And that came out of your mouth. How? How? And then it's, honey, will you deal with him? Will you deal with your son? Will you deal with your daughter? You know how that goes. God loves you. And when you are redeemed, you have the spirit of adoption. You're his child. That's one of the character traits of his love. You could never exhaust it, but that's just a glimpse. Look at verse 6 in Galatians 4. And because you are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, the result of your adoption is that you have the same spirit as the Son. Does Christ live in you? You have his indwelt Holy Spirit. He adopts you and he gives you his same spirit. Praise God. If you ever adopted a child, or if you ever knew someone that adopted a child, you probably don't want to give them your spirit. Because you mess things up. You can pick and choose some good character traits from mom and dad, right? But we are just as sinful as our children. That's not how the relationship works with God. We have a spirit of adoption. And we can cry out to God, Abba, Father. He'll never leave us. We have, we have the same spirit and praise God for it. Now, you've got to understand why God gave you this spirit, the comforter. It wasn't to fix all of your problems or my problems. It wasn't to fix all of the world's problems. When is that going to happen? When Christ comes back, he's going to fix all the problems. So don't think 2024 is going to be the year. It's going to be another year with the circus. Another year of circus acts and political gymnastics. That's all it's going to be. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. When he comes back, he fixes all that. Right now, he gave you that spirit. So that you can enjoy a loving relationship with him. That's what he desires. And to help you and to help me, to help all of us not sin. That is why we have the spirit of adoption. That is why God gave us the Holy Spirit. Because if he didn't, we'd be back in Romans 7 and it would just be I, 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 I. And there would be no contrast of, oh, wait, I've got the spirit. He gave us the spirit so we would not sin. Now, go back to Romans chapter 8, because here is a very interesting phrase in your Bible. Romans chapter number 8. Look at verse number 4. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Do you mean to tell me? That us as believers can fulfill the righteousness of the law? Well, look at it again. That's what it says. 
that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. The sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill. You say, great, I've never killed anybody. Yeah, but have you really desired for someone to be saved? Isn't there a difference? We can all lift our hand and say, you know, well, praise God, I've never killed anyone. Does your heart cry out? Because the spirit of God's within you. I desire to see others to be saved. That's how you can have the righteousness of the law be fulfilled. The ninth commandment, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Oh, great. You know, I'm just not going to lie to my neighbor. Praise the Lord. Wouldn't you like to have a neighbor like that? But does your heart long to desire to give them the truth? Have you ever knocked on your neighbor's door and said, can I tell you about Jesus? He's the way, the truth, and the life. Or, or is it just, you know what? I know I'm a Christian. I just won't lie to him. There's a difference. There's a spirit behind. I just won't lie rather than, you know what? I'm compelled to tell someone the truth. There's a difference because there's a spirit that's behind it. The eighth commandment, thou shalt not steal. I've got my stuff. You got your stuff. I'll keep my stuff. You keep your stuff. And here's all you got to know. I won't steal from you and you won't steal from me. I mean, the government will steal from all of us, but uh, <laughs> that's the law. But that's not good enough for the Christian who walks after the spirit. The Christian doesn't just give all his stuff to everybody. You know what he does? When a Christian sees a need, he desires to want to fill that need by giving to that need. That's the law being fulfilled in the believer. There's a difference. Well, I just won't, I just won't covet. I just know. When your heart is it in tune to the need of somebody else? And is it willing to give to that need? Tough questions, aren't they? A whole lot more. I just don't steal anymore. No. His stewardship fuels his motive over what to do with his stuff. Because your stuff isn't your stuff. It's God's. Didn't he bless you with the food? And the roof? And the clothes? A good steward says, Lord, thank you for blessing me. If I see a need, I desire to bless someone else. That's the law being fulfilled in the believer. That's the righteousness of the law. How in the world can you and I do that? It can only come about by the Holy Spirit leading us. That's it. Because you and I wouldn't do that on our own. It'd be my stuff. You leave my stuff alone. Romans chapter 8, verse number 5, watch what it says. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. This verse tells you why. You want to know why the righteousness of the law is not fulfilled in you? This verse tells you why. You're not fulfilling verse number four. Because 
you mind after the things of the flesh. They're of a different nature. We said earlier they're 100% opposed to each other. But do you know that there are people living today that do walk after the spirit of Christ? You know what's in the back of someone that walks after the spirit? You know what's in the back of their mind? It's not how will this benefit me? It's how will this benefit the body of Christ? They don't have in their mind, well, the idea I have is, no, they have, you know what? My idea is going to take a back seat because there are some other more important ideas that I think would benefit the body of Christ. They don't say, well, what am I interested in? They say, hey, what does the Bible say? What are my brothers and sisters in Christ interested in? How can I serve them? How can I love them more? There's people that walk after the spirit. Is it you? Or do you just mind the things of the flesh? You have flesh interests and no spiritual interests. The things of the flesh is a religion. It's a religion. The physical realm is this. Gluttony and laziness. They eat themselves to death. And they amuse themselves to death with laziness. And then you have the mental realm. It's all of what they imagine, all of what they desire. You never see it because it's in their head. That's their mental realm. That's their religion of the flesh. That they mind these things. It's the music. It's the, mo it's the scroll. It's the media. It's all of that. And they're the biggest givers in the world. What do you mean by that? They give to their hobbies. They give to their amusements. They give to their sports. They give to their. The kingdom that they're building. Have you ever been in the midst of something and all of a sudden the Lord just stops you and say, hey, wait a minute. Why am I putting all this effort in this Lord? And I don't even put half the effort into it. I'm amazed. Driving home last night, I'm just amazed. Talking to my wife, I'm just amazed how much money people spend on sports. I'm just amazed. I'm one of those people. I used to do this. There's special food. There's special clothes. There's special powders. There's special pills. There's special events. I mean, it doesn't stop. And it's not like it's $10. It's hundreds of dollars. It's thousands of dollars. You know, we just got done. You know, we, you know, I don't know what y'all laughing for. You know, we just got done in February, the Super Bowl. What do you think? You can buy a commercial for a hundred bucks? It's millions of dollars people spend on those things. Are you saying I shouldn't spend money on those things? I, I didn't say that. What I'm trying to compel you to think about is there needs to be a biblical balance. Well, where is that balance for me? I don't know you. I only know me. Allow the Lord to tell you where your line is. Academics, the same thing. 
parents spend twenty to thirty thousand dollars a year for their child to go to school to get dumb. Okay, one reason is well, okay. So now you're broke, and your kid thinks he came from slime. Now you're broke, and your boy thinks he's a girl. They suck your finances out of you, and they convince you. Some secular professor who is possessed with the devil tells your child that it is okay if they think that they're really a girl trapped in a man's body. There's no science for that. And four years later, or eight years later, or 12 years later, depending on how many years you've been into the religion of uh, secular schooling, you got to be real careful. You're going to send your kids there. They better, they better be strong in the Lord. <laughs> well, how am I going to advance in my career? If your career is going to cause you to backslide on God. And if the academics are going to cause you to blaspheme God and throw him out of your life, then I would say give your career back to the devil. Are you saying don't have a career? No. You need to have a career. Man. You know why you need to have a career? God wants you to provide for your family. But if you can't provide for them because your career has taken that ability away, you see the problem? You need a career that is God-honoring that allows you to provide for your family. And if you can't provide for their spiritual health, then that career either needs to go, needs to be changed, needs to be tweaked, something. They want to get rid of the family. This is why women are taught to go to college for four years or eight years or however many years. They keep them in, they keep them in school long enough. They won't be able to reproduce. They'll be too old. <laughs> they give their life to their career. You talk enough people into thinking that boy and a boy is okay and a girl and a girl is okay. They're going to completely break down the nuclear family. We're not going to have a family left. There's going, it's not going to exist. You know why it's so important for Christians that have the indwelt Holy Spirit to live righteously? Because all the things we just talked about. And we've got the Holy Spirit to be able to allow us to do it. You should be the best, the biggest givers. Financially, spiritually, and mentally to the work of Christ and the work of his church. You know all these millionaires and billionaires, they give to the poor, they give to humanitarian efforts, they fund all the social programs, and they hate God. You know the unbeliever, for the wages of sin is death. 
We know, we know the unbeliever, all they have is the spirit of carnality. All they have is the flesh. We know all they're going to do is devote their time to the flesh. We understand that. But for the believer, look, in Christ, there's no condemnation, but we don't escape the consequences. We're not immune from that. The consequences of our sin. And we got to be careful. We have our human interests, our personal achievements versus spiritual interests and spiritual achievements through Christ. We got a high calling. We have a mark of a prize in Christ Jesus. There's a story of this young boy who got into archery. And he started practicing every day his archery. He never missed. He made it to archery class. He took archery lessons. Then he read a book about some archery master who lived across the sea in some foreign land. Out in the woods. And it was hard to get to. But the story of his archery skills grew abroad. And he was known as the best archer, archer, archery master that any young boy could learn from. So he had an idea. I'm going to dedicate my life to this. I'm going to be great at this. And so he saved up his money. He made the trip. It took him two months to get to a place where he finally started to see there was a few trees where the arrow was in the tree right in the center of the bullseye. So he knew he was close because he read stories about this archery master and he never missed the bullseye every time it hit the bullseye. And as he starts to get closer to where he thought that his cabin was, he knew he knew he was in the right spot because the bullseyes were getting more prominent. They were all over. And so finally, he knocks on the door and he says, I'm here because I heard you are the best archery teacher in the world. I am willing to do anything you want me to do. And I am willing to stay as long as you would like me to stay. I just want to be able to be a good archer like you. So the old man looked at him, kind of shrugged him off. He said, okay, well, it won't take very long. <laughs> the young boy was taken back. He didn't understand. So the old man looked at him again and said, eh, it won't take long. Here, follow me. So the old man took him out back. He said, this won't take more than a minute. More than a minute? You're the best archer in the world. This must take months and years of mastery to learn from you. He said, no, it's all the stories, they're really not that big of a deal. Come here, I'll show you real quick. It's not that hard. Here's your lesson. It'll only take you 30 seconds. So they went back into the barn. He got a little spray can of spray paint. He took the spray paint and he drew a circle right on his barn side barn door. And then he took the arrow and he said, and he put it right in the middle. And the boy looks at the old man and says, you mean I traveled all this way for that? Yep. You know what that is? That's the world. We want to get so good at things that don't matter for eternity.
you know how much time and effort I've spent into being the best at something? Now, take my wife out for lunch. She'll be more than happy to testify. A lot of time. You saying it's sinful to learn something? No. You saying it's sinful to master something? No. I'm not. What I'm saying is if it costs you service to Christ, I am submitting to you that your mind is of the flesh, not of the spirit. There needs to be a balance so that you are being led more by the spirit than you are because you will miss the mark for the prize of the high calling of Christ in your life. Young people, God is a calling on your life. What are you going to do with your life? Romans 8 verse 6, it says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You know, death is the absence of life. Jesus Christ is life. And the carnal mind has no power to do things that have life. And if you allow your carnal mind to dominate you, you've just signed up for spiritual suicide. And none of us would willingly do that. Yet that's what we sign up for when we, when we choose to have our carnal mind dominate our life. Look at Romans 8 verse 7. It says because, why is this? Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's self-centered. It's hostile. It's in a constant state of rebellion against God. And it's absolutely unable to please him. You know what the carnal mind is? It's a vicious wild animal that you just have in a trap. You let that thing out and it will run, it will wreak havoc on you and your life. His enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. We are so weak. That our carnal mind will convince us that we love Christ. The weakness of our flesh is so weak, yet so strong, that your carnal mind will convince you that you're living for Christ when we're not. How do you combat that? You've got to, we're combating it. We're getting an understanding that the two are diabolically opposed. They're never going to get along. And you and I have to figure out a way to get tuned into the Holy Spirit because that is the solution. Your carnal mind is God's enemy. It always will be. You should be centered in Christ, not centered on yourself. If your interest is always you, 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 and you have to get your way all the time, and it's always my, 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 that's the carnal mind. That's a clear dead giveaway. Verse number seven. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can it be. It's the context. This enmity of God. Gives you the def the defined context of verse six. For to be carnally minded is death. That's the context of this enmity with God. What is it? It's death. 
it destroys your Christian testimony, ruins your walk with the Lord. It's death. And it's found in your inability to do God's will. And it's found in my inability to do God's will with the mind of the flesh and a carnal mind. We can't do it. This is why Romans 8 tells us we have the Holy Spirit. We'll get more into that next week. But I'm 100% sure that the character of God is love. Are you? Okay. And I'm 100% sure that our carnal mind has a natural dislike and hostility towards God, which is the, who, who is the character of love. I'm 100% sure of that. And Romans 8 is trying to break it down for you. Look, Christ is life. Christ is love. Carnal mind is death. And it will be diabolically opposed to the Holy Spirit of God each and every time. And watch how we close out here. Watch. Verse number 8. Last verse. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, before you were saved, you knew now that you are saved. You knew when you weren't saved, you couldn't please God. You look at a lost person, you know they can't please God. Who do they please? Themselves. So if you're saved this morning, why would you even think that pleasing yourself is a good thing? There's an old tune. You got two options on the shelf. Pleasing God or pleasing self. Why would any believer think, have to even think what the right option is? There's no remedy for my flesh or your flesh. And you can tell yourself all day. You can talk to your flesh all day and say, you know what, flesh? Let's have a talk. I just don't want to be that guy anymore, flesh. Don't have the conversation. Your flesh will manipulate you and convince you otherwise. Your flesh hates God. And until you get a redeemed body, Romans 8 is trying to get you to get a hold of this. They're not going to get along. Stop trying to convince yourself that they are going to get along. They're diabolically opposed. Do not give your flesh any liberty. Do not have the conversation with your flesh. Completely yield yourself over to God and do his will. Your flesh is always going to be irritated by truth and agitated by truth. You know what God wants for your flesh? For it to be destroyed. For it to be destroyed. You know what God told the Israelites? He said, destroy the inhabitants of Canaan. They didn't. And so they wandered around for 40 years in misery. <laughs> you know what God wants you to do? Destroy sin in your life. Get rid of it. Get it out of there. Don't give it any excuse to live. Get rid of sin in your life. So you don't walk around in misery for the next 40 years because you're swimming in sin. 
And the people that are around you now are going to be miserable because they're around your miserable sin. Don't compromise with your flesh. Instead, be dominated by what? Be dominated by the spirit of God. Have no mind of your own, only have the mind of Christ. Have no desire of your own, only desire him more. Have no will of your own, only seek God's will. God, help me have the right desire. Help me line up my will with your will. Help me, Lord. Put on the mind of Christ. That's the conversation you have with yourself. Will cause you to act spirit-filled. Live Christ-controlled. And stay focused on God getting glory.